Hey there, this is Bo James, and on behalf of the Wix Church of the Nazarene, I just want to say thank you for joining us. I believe there is something for you in this message, and I pray that it will help you grow your faith. Enjoy. We are in the book of Genesis today, so if you want to begin to open Bibles up, Genesis chapter 35 is where I will start from. Um... But we'll be hitting some different areas, different scriptures along the way. Genesis chapter 35 with verse 1. Then God said to Jacob, Get ready and move to Bethel and settle there. Build an altar there to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So Jacob told everyone in his household, get rid of all your pagan idols, purify yourselves, and put on clean clothing. We're now going to Bethel, where I will build an altar to the God who answered my prayers when I was in distress. He has gone with me wherever I have gone. Verse 9. Now that Jacob had returned from Padanaram, God appeared to him again at Bethel. And God blessed him, saying, your name is Jacob. But you will not be called Jacob any longer. From now on, your name will be Israel. So God renamed him Israel. Then God said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. You will become a great nation, even many nations. Kings will be among your descendants, and I will give you the land I once gave to Abraham and Isaac. Yes, I will give it to you and your descendants after you. Then God went up from the place where he had spoken to Jacob. Lord, this is your word today, and it is alive and active and still breathing today. And God, I pray for everyone who hears, both in this room and anyone online. May they hear the message that you have, and may it change them because of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. So for anyone that has missed me saying this, I've been saying it all month long, um, my sermon series this year is actually coming from the Bible recap devotions that we are reading together. Um, And it's not too late to join in. In fact, that's something I love about this reading plan is like you could join anywhere amongst it, okay? You don't have to start day one with us. It's it's a great reading plan. It's a year-long read through the Bible. Um, And so anyone you know, you're welcome to join in. Even if you're not reading the devotional, we have the reading plan and the the books out on the table out front. Our Wednesday night classes have been consisting basically of two things. One, we're learning how to read the word and how to understand it and how to break it apart. And and, and that takes up, Pat, how much of our time usually on Wednesday night? We, we're going over, I told her, she brought her, her book today to fill in answers. And I said, I don't think you're going to get answers new today because we talked about most of this Wednesday night. But we've been sharing different techniques, different tips on how we study the Bible, different apps that we use, different podcasts, those kind of things. The second thing we're doing is we're exploring things that are new to us. Now, it's not that it's new in the Bible, right? But it's just things that we've never seen before, never really pondered about. Um, and, And it has just been incredible, the things that we are beginning to notice that some of us have never seen. And even pastor here. Right? So every week, my sermon kind of comes from whatever the, the week's reading plan is, but mostly it's coming from my own aha moments. Do you know what an aha moment is? That's when you just, your mind gets blown and you think, I have never 
seen that before. I've never realized, or you begin to piece together things. I talked a little bit about that last week as we was talking about um, Abraham, remember? And I was saying, I had never really paid attention to how God was weaving through the story, not just the individual. So today we're actually going to talk about Jacob. This is Abraham's grandson, all right? And so we saw in what I, I just read, verse 9 through 13, God is giving him the promise that he first gave to Abraham, and then he passed down to Isaac, and then he's now passing it down to Jacob. That is what we're, we're looking at, is, is how this all comes to be. But there's a there's backstory to Jacob that you kind of need to know about. So Isaac, at about 40 years old, he married Rebekah, and then they wound up eventually having twin boys. So Jacob has a twin brother, Esau, okay? Esau is very impatient, and when they were younger, he sold his birthright to Jacob for a bowl of stew. I hope it was really good stew. Like, I hope it was just the best of the best that makes you just, you know what I'm talking about. It's been cold. We just went through, how many of you made soup stew or, or chili during all that cold snap? Yeah, we've had taco soup. We've had chili. Like, you just need that comfort food, right? And so for that of stew, he sold his birthright. That would be his physical inheritance that dad would pass down to him. Now later, with the help of his mother, Jacob also swindles out of Isaac the blessing that is intended for Esau. Now Esau was the firstborn of the twins. That meant technically everything was his, right? All the good first was his. But later, with the help of his mother, Jacob swindles even the blessing. Blessing would have been more, because I think we have this indication today, when I say blessing, we think finances or, you know, things that are physical. Blessing would have been more of the spiritual side of things. The blessing for, for God's favor and the prosper, prosperity of, of just good crops and things that would help bless other people. So he steals his birthright for a bowl of soup. He stole his blessing by pretending he was Esau. Can you only imagine if you have siblings how mad Big Brother was? Yeah? Y'all got siblings or you raise a couple of boys and, and you know how they fight, right? And so Big Brother Esau, he gets so mad, he's ready to kill Jacob. I've had enough of this kid. Like, I am so done with him. I'm, I'm just, you know, so mom fears for the life of Jacob and she actually is sending him out of town. She convinces Isaac, hey, I don't want him to marry any of these local women. Like we know they're not good enough for our kids. So let's send him back home to get a good wife. And so they send him back to Haran. Now you remember last week we talked about Abraham and that's, that was the original place he started from. So the top of that map, okay, that's where he's sending Jacob now. So Jacob then, as he's traveling, he stops at Bethel. We saw him at Bethel today. Well, this is when he comes back. But he actually encounters God first at Bethel on his way out of town. And he has a dream. And most of you know, you, you like to call it Jacob's ladder. It really wasn't a ladder. It was more of a stairway, right? And maybe you, you've heard that somewhere through the years or your, your time with the church. You've heard of that. But I always love to connect that with Jesus. 
That is always so important to me as we especially are in Old Testament. I need you to see Jesus was there the whole time. He didn't just show up. And so Jacob dreams about this stairway and the angels going back and forth up the stairway. In John chapter 1, see if I've got that. John chapter 1, I want you to listen to the words of Jesus. He's talking to Nathaniel, right? And, and Nathaniel's exclaiming, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. And this is what Jesus says to him. Do you believe this just because I told you I had seen you under the fig tree? Remember Nathaniel, when he was sitting under the fig tree, Jesus saw him and, and Jesus told him that I saw you sitting there. And so he was like, wow, you really are God. He says, do you believe me just because I said that? You'll see greater things than this. And then Jesus says, I tell you the truth. You will all see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. Jesus was there. In that dream to Jacob, he was there. And this kind of begins an aha moment for me, though. This was sort of the, the starting place as we were reading through this that I was like, hold up, what, what am I exactly reading here? So back over in chapter 28, verse 13, at the top of the stairway stood the Lord and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I'm giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They'll spread out in all directions to the west, to the east, to the north, and the south. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, I am with you, and I'll protect you wherever you go. One day I'll bring you back to this land, and I'll not leave you until I've finished giving you everything I have promised. So you see how those words are the words of Jesus but here's my aha moment. So God's initial telling of what was promised here is kind of a reiteration. These are the same kind of promises that was given to Abraham. And it's the same thing that got passed to Isaac. It's getting passed now to Jacob. God is going to work through Jacob. But can we look specifically at verse 13, okay? So verse 13, at the top of the stairway stood the Lord and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham and the God of your father Isaac. Did you notice that God acknowledges he's the God of Abraham and Isaac? Who does he not say? He doesn't say he's the God of Jacob. This is one of those moments where we know the story. We know the ending already. So we know he's the, he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God doesn't say that, though, does he? He says, I am the God of your grandfather. I'm the God of your father, period. Do you understand? Listen to me, church. This is kind of huge. This is my aha moment, and I need you to hear it. Because maybe I'm a little slower. Maybe some of you already got this, right? But we, we, we've touched on this a little bit before. There are names for God, right? 
We, we've kind of talked about that, that there are different names of God and there's sort of the everyday usage, a normal name of God, but then there was that sacred personal, Yahweh, Jehovah. And this is where, uh, when we're reading the English Bible, we kind of miss these things. We just sort of see the names God and Lord, and we just sort of, it's generic to us. You have to know the original language to know there was a difference there, right? And so what we're seeing is there's a, a difference there when he begins to talk. He believes God is the God of his ancestors. But Jacob, he doesn't have that same personal, right? He doesn't have that same personal relationship with God. And this is God's word. This is what he was speaking to Jacob. So we've touched on that just a, a little bit. But when you, when you go over here, so God speaks these things to Jacob in this dream. And then verse 20, this is, this is his reply to God. He says, if God will indeed be with me and protect me on this journey, and if he will provide me with food and clothing, and if I return safely to my father's home... Then the Lord will certainly be my God. So I want to break this down to you a little bit. So there's the, the common name for God, Elohim, is how the original text would be. And do you, do you hear in this prayer, there's a lot of if in there. If you'll do this. And, and, and really he's just reiterating the things God has kind of told him. But he's saying, if you'll do these things, then you'll be my God. Anybody ever made these prayers before? God, if you'll do this, then I'll serve you. You know, so it's, it's not something we're not familiar with. We've all prayed a prayer like this at some point in our life. God, if you'll do this, then you'll be my God. I'll, I'll serve you wholehearted. I'll, I'll get back in church. I'll, I'll do this. I'll do that. You know, whatever your if then, right? But here's the deal. When he says, then the Lord will certainly be my God. That word Lord, if you notice in your translation, it may be all caps. That's Jehovah, Yahweh. That's the personal name. Jacob is starting to get personal with God. He says, if, if you'll do all of this, then you're going to be my God too. So we see this starting point that, that Jacob is starting to make. Now, Jacob, he goes on. Remember, he, he was fleeing for his life. He's headed to go find a wife. He, uh, he arrives back up in the Haran area and very quickly encounters Rachel, who he falls madly in love with. And here was class Wednesday nighters. What was my other aha moment that excited me? What was Rachel? What was Rachel? What? Shepherd. Rachel was a shepherd. How have I missed this? And anybody else? Does that, is that new to you? Am I the only one that has missed that in scripture that she was a shepherd tending the flocks? Even my own husband, when we were reading that together that morning, he was like, well, duh, she was at the well. I said, come on. I said, women went to the well because they needed water because they had to do all the laundry and they had to cook and they had to clean. And they, I was like, but I totally, it even says it. Like I went through every translation I had access to at that moment. She's a shepherd. 
And so then I told my Wednesday night class, well, no wonder he fell in love. This is like the Wonder Woman of the Bible. Like, if you're a shepherd, I'm, I'm, a, I'm picturing a buff woman. Like, you know, what did David fight? He fought bears and lions. She would have too. Like, okay, that was just my extra aha moment of this. All right, back to Jacob. He falls in love with her. Long story short, father-in-law is a little tricky and he winds up tricking him into marrying an older sister. And, and so um, he winds up having to serve seven years. He marries the wrong sister. He serves seven more years, marries another si- sister. And by the way, I love how Tara says this in the book. This is descriptive, not prescriptive, which means we're just telling the facts how they happen. I am not suggesting anybody go get more than one wife. It never works out really good. Go back and read this story. It's not real pretty, right? So if you go through this, if, you will, if you're bored today and you just can't find anything on Netflix or TV, if you're not watching the football game, anybody watching the football games today? Nobody? Am I on this one? And, and so if you, if you get bored, go read Genesis 29 through 31. It's like a whole sister wives episode in itself. I mean, it gets some crazy stuff. And then I told them on Wednesday, I said, not only do you get an episode of Sister Wives, you're going to get Dr. Pohl's veterinarian episode in there as well on how to breed your flock so that it all comes out good for you. Like, it's the craziest three chapters you're going to read of the Bible. Like, Netflix could make a whole miniseries just out of those three chapters. And it's, it's crazy. But let me tell you this. Even through the chaos, God was working. Because even through all of this crazy chaos between Leah and Rachel and having kids to spite each other, those were the 12 sons that become the 12 tribes. God was working. And, and even through all of this, though, See, when I went down the rabbit hole, I started looking up everywhere it mentions God or the Lord. Even through all of this, when God is mentioned, it's the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac. Never does Jacob claim him as his God. When him and the father-in-law are making deals, they talk about the God of their ancestors, their grandfather, their fathers. Never do they claim him as their own personal Yehovah, okay? So Jacob, though, as he goes on, he finally gets married, he has the kids, and like 20 years later, heads back home. Because remember, God said, I'll bring you back. So he sends him back, and his very first encounter when he starts to get back, they come and tell him, your brother's up ahead. Oh, that's what he ran from. And that's the first thing he has to encounter is Esau. And so Jacob is filled with fear. He doesn't know if anything's changed. It's been two decades and he still has that fear. And so he divides his his wives and all of his animals. He's come back pretty much a rich man now. And he says, man, I don't need my brother to wipe all this out. So he divides them into two camps so that if, if his brother attacks... He sacrifices Leah and her kids, and Rachel takes off with the rest of the herd back here. That's really how it plays out. And so he divides it because he's still fearful. But chapter 32, when he 
realizes he's got to face his brother all over again, he stops and he prays. Like he, here's the deal, Jacob isn't perfect. So he created his own plan first. Let's divide it. Let's make a safety net. Let's make an exit plan to this. So he's, he's not perfect. He makes his plan, then he goes to God. We kind of need to swap those around. But in verse 9 of chapter 32, he does this. He prays to God. He says, Then Jacob prayed, O God of my grandfather Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Lord, you told me, return to your own land and to your relatives. And you promised me I'll treat you kindly. I'm not worthy of all the unfailing love and faithfulness you've shown to me, your servant. When I left home and crossed the Jordan River, I owned nothing except a walking stick. And now my household fills two large camps. Oh Lord, please rescue me from the hand of my brother Esau. I'm afraid that he's coming to attack me along with my wives and my children. But you promised me I will surely treat you kindly And I will multiply your descendants until they become as numerous as the sands along the seashore. Too many to count. Do you hear the difference in Jacob's heart? It's no longer if, then. If you'll do this for me, God. You see, now we're hearing a very vulnerable Jacob. A very vulnerable Jacob who is calling out. And then let's, let's really look at the words. So verse 9, he says, Oh God, L-O-M, common name, of my grandfather Abraham. And God, L-O-M, of my father Isaac. And then he says, Oh Lord, Jehovah, Yahweh, you told me to return. He's reminding him, you told me to come back, so I'm counting on you to protect me. But here's the kicker. He used the personal name, Yehovah, Yahweh. In other words, his relationship just became personal. Just became a one-on-one where he had never done that in a personal way with God. Now, he had said the word Yehovah before referencing the Lord of his ancestors. But he had never said it in a personal, I want to know you kind of way. And then the very next night, if if you look on in that chapter, the very next night, he has that great scene of Jacob wrestling with God, where God takes on the form of a man and, and he literally wrestles with him. And he gives him a new name. You're no longer Jacob. You're going to be Israel because you fought with men and you fought with God and you won. Now, why is this such an aha moment? I know you guys are going, man, BJ geeks out on this stuff. Yes, I do. Because it brings a whole new meaning to it when you understand. This is an aha moment because think about Abraham. We know his story. God told him to pick up and move. He did. He was obedient. He was faithful. Not perfect, but he was faithful. Think of Isaac, Uh, you know, Isaac was the one that Abraham was told to go offer as a sacrifice. And by the way, Isaac wasn't no little kid. He was either late teen to young adult. And he trusted his physical father and his heavenly father so much he laid on that altar waiting. What? They had such great faith. 
And they probably shared that with Jacob. They would have passed these stories down of what God had done for their family through the years. No different than you and I. You can tell me stories probably of your grandma and what God did and and all these miracles and blood. You know. You see, Jacob knew who God was. But when I began to examine the names, he did not know God for himself. And church family, he was still walking the walk. He was still talking the talk. He was still uh, giving up sacrifices to God. And that's a whole nother sermon when we talk about the pillar versus the altar. He knew who God was. But he had never, never surrendered to God being his Jehovah. That is pretty big. Because he, he heard all these stories. And yet, we see an adult Jacob who still didn't know God as his Lord. Like the math of the age will blow your mind in itself. Like he's in his 80s and 90s in this part of the story, by the way. And somebody done some kind of weird math, if we equated that to our lifespan today, that could be somebody in their 40s and 50s, right? So still, not a young chicken. But after two wives, a couple maidservants, and 13 kids, because there's a daughter in there as well, he's just now surrendering to the Lord. That brought a whole new thought perspective to me. I don't know, maybe it's just me. We started in chapter 35, and in chapter 35, when all this takes place, what happens? He, he has the, everybody in his household, his camp, his servants, everybody, they have to clean out all the idols. Why? Because he says, we're going to serve one God. And his name is Yahweh, Yehovah. No more idols, no more if, ands, and maybes. There's one. And he cleanses his own camp. And then on down in verse 14, I didn't read that part. Verse 14 of 35 says, Jacob set up a stone pillar to mark the place where God had spoken to him. And then he poured wine over it as an offering to God and anointed it, the pillar, with olive oil. And Jacob named the place Bethel, which means house of God. Because God had spoken to him there. Now originally when he had that dream of the stairway, he had done a pillar there. I don't know, maybe it's not there anymore. It's been 20 years. Maybe somebody tore it down. He's having to redo it. But honestly, I don't think it would matter because it's different from when he was there before. Now he's there to serve God. And there's another difference. When he was there before, after the dream, he poured oil. When you pour oil over something, it is to set it apart. So like the priest, when they're in the temple, they would anoint even the utensils that are used for the services with oil because it was intended to show they are set apart for the use of God. But we see in this second time that he's building a pillar that now he's pouring wine over it. There's what is called a drink offering that you will see in various different places of the Bible. Can I share with you another place that we see it in the Bible about a drink offering? 
At the Last Supper, as they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces, and he gave it to the disciples, saying, Take this and eat it, for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine, and he gave thanks to God for it, and he gave it to them and said, Each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It's poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Mark my words, I'll not drink wine again until the day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Can you see the visual picture of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament? Because you see, before we can be set apart for God, we have to be cleansed by Christ. So the first thing he did was pour out a drink offering over that pillar of wine, the blood of Christ. And then we talk about sanctification where we we give everything to God. We say, God, we are set apart. That would be the oil offering being poured over. You see, church family, I, I think what I love about this is that this could be you sitting here today. Maybe you're Jacob. Maybe you're a, a full-blown adult. You come from a great Christian background. But you've never said, God is my God. You've never said, he's my Yahweh, my Jehovah. You know all about God. Maybe you can even quote the Bible better than I can. But you've never surrendered your heart. The other thing that I, I saw in this was I know that there's many of us in this room, we're praying for our kids, our grandkids. <sighs> we try to teach them well. You brought them to church. They were at every VBS with you. But they're not here today. And they're not in church anywhere else today. Hear the hope. Jacob was a grown man when he said, yes, Lord. Don't give up hope praying for your kids and your grandkids. You did show them the way. Maybe not perfectly. Again, we can look at Abraham, we can look at Isaac, and it was never perfect. They were not perfect people. They still made mistakes. But if you're praying those prayers, don't give up praying. Because I want you to maybe change how you pray. You see, Jacob had to have some chaotic, crazy encounters. He was fleeing for his life in fear the first time him and God spoke at Bethel. He came back and that fear was still there. He had to wrestle with God. And you know what I really love in that scene of him wrestling with God? He didn't beat God, by the way. God let him win. When Jesus Christ goes to the cross, oh, it was so easy for them Romans to think they had beat him. For those Pharisees to think, see, we won. But Jesus said, I laid down my life. They didn't beat him. He let them think he won. In the end, it was the drink offering of his blood that was the winning thing. Today, we're going to take communion together. And, and I just want this message to 
Soak in your hearts as we take time to pass out these elements and, and then we'll pray and we'll do this. We'll take the elements together. If I could get Pat and Sandy to come forward. And in the Church of the Nazarene, we believe you don't have to be a member of this church to take communion. We just hope that you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior. But I also believe in the working grace of God that maybe today while you're taking this, this is the first day you're going to say, Yehovah, Yahweh, my God, I want to serve you. So let's pray over these elements today. Lord, we come. Open hearts, open hands. God, may we just set aside all the things that are, are chaotic and distracting today. And may we focus on the offering that Jesus gave of his body, his blood, that we may be cleansed and made whole in the sight of God. And Father, I pray over these elements today that this is more than just juice and a piece of bread. That God, this is a sacred moment that we remember what you did for us. In Jesus' name, amen. And remember to take your bread off the bottom first. took and broke the bread and today we remember that this is the body of our Lord Jesus Christ broken for us eat this in remembrance of Christ dying for you and be thankful the cup that he passed was in representative of the blood that Jesus shed for us drink this and remember that you are blameless because of this blood. Remember that Christ died for you. Oh,
Lord, we come today. I hope very tenderhearted. That, Father, age is never a factor. (laughs) And that, God, even knowledge is never a factor. But it's a matter of surrendering our hearts and our lives to the one who died for us. Who willingly gave his life for us. And so, Father, as we leave this place, we leave new creations today. And so, Father, we leave with thankful hearts knowing that the blessings we have were freely given to us. And as we leave this place today, Father, if we have been blessed, then let us be blessings to others around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Church family, have a beautiful day with your friends and family, and go be a blessing to others. You are dismissed. Hey, I hope you received exactly what you needed from that message. If you want to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, or you can always find us in person if you're in the area. If you'd like to support our ministries, you can find us on Tithely. Thank you to those who support our church. I hope you will subscribe and join us on the next one. And remember, you are loved.